Well, that uh, clap was really weak. What's going on? <laughs> hey, so was that for him or for me? I'm, I'm confused. What was it? Like, are you happy he's done or are you glad that I'm... <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, uh, we love Bruno and all he's doing. And I want to say, um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in a church service on a Sunday morning. So just thank you to everybody who makes it happen. Um, in the middle of the worship, the uh, the one of the computers crashed, and so they're trying to get, that's the, the lyrics working on that. And then the guys are up here moving stuff around after. Just appreciate everything that happens for all the in-betweens. It's uh it's really good. And uh, we know that some school has already started. Some school is going to be starting this week. Our school, like Bruno said, Harvest, will be starting on Wednesday. So be praying for them, for us, for this building. And um, you can see that we've uh, just a lot of the things in transition. And uh, anyway, it's going to be good, though. We're excited about this new school year, excited about um, what's happening with just, just all around. And I uh, want to remind you that this Thursday, uh, I think this uh, missed the cut, but Thursday we have prayer on Thursday evening. It's going to be at 6.30, and uh, it's a time for the church just to gather for a a time of prayer together and we'll be doing that on Thursday night if you want to be a part of that then uh, would love to see you there the, those announcements should be on the um, the emails that you get and the website that kind of thing so make sure that you check those things out lantana.church by the way if you were wondering and while I'm talking about that uh, make sure you always if you want to follow along in the notes for the message of the day get the church app uh, the notes will be on there and also the bible app they're on the bible app as well well, we are in a, uh, I was going to say in the middle. I feel like we're at the end, but we're in the middle, of kind of a transition time of a series of messages that I've been working on, kind of building our way to back to church Sunday, September 18th. Uh, that's another one. Bring some friends, September 18th. We want, you know, everybody's getting back into the routine of going to school and, and going to church. So September 18th, we're going to have a back to church celebration, uh, some I haven't talked with everybody about this yet, but uh, those that help, usually, hopefully they will help. We're going to have some brisket and some, you know, a meal at the end of the, or after the service is over, so uh, you can be a part of that. But we're talking about spiritual formation. Kind of have been most of the summer, and um, we're going to transition into the idea of spiritual disciplines, of uh, spiritual discipline. So in spiritual formation, just to give you a quick recap, spiritual formation is the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. This is the definition that we've been working on. We talked about that, actually this definition we've been talking about most of the summer. Um, it's a process. It happens over time. Uh, being conformed, it's something that... Uh, we are in the, in the process of being conformed. It's nothing that we do ourselves. We rely on the Holy Spirit, His work within us into the image of Christ. Obviously, the Imago Dei, we talked about that some, for the sake of others. Uh, Genesis teaches us that we were created in God's image. And so this pursuit of spiritual formation is really a return to the very nature of our being. Um, it, it's a misnomer, in my opinion, when people say, well, it's just human nature. And uh, it's true that human nature is a fallen nature, but that's not how God created us. He created us in His image. So uh, that's the nature of our being, and that's what spiritual formation has as its end goal. The point is not so that someday we will be set in a, a trophy case in heaven as a trophy of God's grace. Uh, 
Look at the grace that God had for me. That's not the purpose of spiritual formation. All of God's work has, and pay attention to this. This is, I think this is really good. All of God's work to conform us to the image of Christ has as its sole purpose that we might become who God created us to be in relationship to God and others. When people say, why do I need a relationship with God? What is that doing for me? The whole point is to be restored to to the image that he created us in, in relationship to him and to others. Uh, He wants a relationship with us, and he wants us to have healthy relationship with others. In fact, Jesus said that relationship is so important. That is how people will know who I am but we'll get into that later. All right, so last week we talked about the reason that we are spiritually formed into the image of Christ is for the sake of others. It's so other people might know. And so today we're going to turn our attention to practices that we can do to increase our spiritual formation. Um, What are practices that help form depth in us in our relationship with God? I feel like sometimes as Christians, we're just floating through, hoping that our relationship with God grows. But there are intentional ways, intentional things that we can do to help us increase in depth in that relationship with God. In any relationship, there are certain things that we do to create depth, right? You guys understand that. There, and, and you may do it and not even realize that you're doing it. If you're married, for instance— I mean, I hope that you go on dates with your spouse if you're married. I hope you do. And, and I hope you do more than just dates. I hope you bring flowers, right? I, I hope that you write love notes. I hope that you give presents of day spa trips or whatever the thing is. Like, I hope that you're doing things. And, and all of those are practices that increase depth in your relationship. When Sarisa said, I learned the hard way that, um, now there's, you, you also know that there are certain things about your spouse or about any relationship that can, that are acceptable and that aren't. Uh, so one time, Sarisa, she loves a massage, right? Who doesn't love a massage for that matter? I've never, I mean, I like a massage. I, Never really big on paying for one. I've done it a few times, but I'm like, you know, it is what it is. But I was like, hey, you know what? We're going to go on a couple's massage. This will be awesome. She'll love that. She loves massages. I learned that she doesn't like having massages with me uh, while we're, you know, in the, because they do with a couple massage. If you've ever done that, this was an anniversary uh, thing that we did. So they put you both in the same room and they, they, you know, you have two different people they are massaging. And I don't know what the point is if you can't talk though, right? Because so uh, first of all, they had two different um, people come in. One uh, was about my size and that was Teresa's masseuse. And uh, one was about my 13-year-old size. She was my masseuse. And I was like, um, I think you got this backwards here, first of all, because I need, so I can just, I'll never forget in the massage. I, I told, I was like, you know, you need to get a little more. Like, I, I want almost to be hurt. Like, you just, I need you to get in there. Like, just do it. Let's do a good massage. And, and um, I, I finally, she got the bamboo sticks out. She's like, she couldn't do it. So she, and she was getting leverage, you know. She had the, like a thing and she was putting it. She's like pressing down on that bamboo stick. And I was like, it would just be a whole lot easier if you guys would switch. And um, anyway, at the end of the massage, Teresa said, I will never do that with you again. 
<laughs> that is the last time. So uh, she just, she said, I talked way too much in the massage. You, you, apparently you're not supposed to talk. I'm a talker. Uh, I was talking during the massage. I was talking to Teresa. I was talking to the masseuse. I was, <laughs> was talking. Uh, there's an etiquette. They don't, they don't give you a manual. Here's the etiquette for massages, you know. Um, so it was a thing that I attempted that could create depth in our relationship, though. That's the point. Uh, it didn't work. Um, so, but if I buy her a massage and pay for her to go on a massage, that she knows it's a, a sign of affection on my part. And she loves that. Um, it's that way really for every relationship. One of my best friends, his wife died. And he needed me at certain times. And, and sometimes it was just me listening to him cry and mourn. And sometimes it was just sitting in silence with him. And sometimes it was giving advice. But it's that time spent in his case that was building depth in our relationship. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. And there are certain things that we know we can do that are going to help create depth in that relationship. So I want to read out of Psalm 139, very well-known psalm, one of my favorites, by the way, Psalm 139. So I'm going to read this, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. I just have to tell you, when I read this scripture, it seems like there's a wholeness of spirituality embedded in these words. What I mean is, God wants to be intimate with every part of our being. There's a depth of spiritual knowledge, it seems like the psalmist is speaking with, that we miss out on. Have you had this conversation with God before? Have you had that kind of a relationship with him? And today, that's what I want to talk about. How is it that we can build this depth into our relationship with him? I read a prayer. Do you ever pray read prayers? I read a prayer that I, I just absolutely loved, and so I thought it fit well with today, and this is the prayer. Thank you, gracious God, for your steadfast love and patience with me. Even though I persist in the misuse of the creation gifts you have given me, you continue to call me out of my incompleteness into the wholeness you have for me in Christ. Even when I try to hide behind a spirituality that confirms me in my incompleteness and brokenness, your love neither abandons me nor tolerates my evasions. Your love becomes, and I love this, your love becomes troubling grace 
that shakes my foundations and breaches my defenses. Help me to let you do your disturbing work in my life. Let it become for me a mirror in which you show me that you want me to see about myself. Your disturbing work in my life. So here's where I want to start. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? How are we going to avoid one-sided spirituality? Um, we talked last week about personalities a little bit, so I want to build on that some. We, we were all built different ways. That's what I mean with who are you. At the core of who you are, you know what you like and what you don't like. Who you want to be around and, and who you don't. Here's the thing. We gravitate towards what's comfortable. And I'm not saying that that's wrong or right. I'm just saying that's what we do. It, naturally, we gravitate towards what's comfortable. In personalities, we all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have, and we talked about this in Sunday school, our Sunday school class this morning, we all have a preferred mode, a preferred way of being and doing. It's just, it's who we are. I, I may be organized, and you might like chaos. Right? I, I may like the quiet, and you may like a party. It's just preferred differences in the way we are. And so that preferred way, the opposite of that, is called the shadow side in the world of personality talk. So you have your strong side, your preferred side, and then you have your shadow side. Here's the rub. We gravitate towards spiritual activities that nurture our preferred way of being and doing. And when we do that, our shadow side is going to remain unattended and unnurtured. And so, here's what I mean. Extroverts likely will develop a highly social spirituality. Right? If you're an extrovert and you like being around people, you will develop a highly social spirituality, which involves doing a spiritual life, your spiritual walk with other people. Uh, like a time of corporate worship together. You like that. When you go to a, a small group or a Sunday school class or a home group, you like, you're the one who talks and you like that. You, you build it. But at the same time, you avoid the solitude and reflection that can build depth in your spiritual life. Because we're always going towards our preferred way, right? Intuitive persons, another example. Intuitive persons will develop a more contemplative form of spirituality, but then they will minimize the input of, of your senses. They're intuitive. They, they like solitude and they like contemplation the result of this type of spirituality is going to harm your spiritual pilgrimage our, our shadow time needs equal attention as our preferred side and there's activities that we can do that will nurture both modes 
right? We have a preferred way of being and doing, but then there's the shadow side. There, it, the, the good thing for us is there are ways, things that we can do to, to get both. All right, so I can see some of you are like, I'm not sure about that. Hey, let's hang on a minute, okay? We're getting there. We all will develop modes or models of, of spiritual life that nurture our preferred pattern. And, and I'm not saying that that's bad. Um, extroverts, we were talking about worship and fellowship groups and prayer groups. That's all good. If you prefer sensing, then you'll develop a spirituality based on your senses. Some have, and I have friends like this, have a highly structured and regulated devotional practice. Feel like they're failing if they don't get up and spend an hour before they do anything and they're writing and they're praying for prayer requests and they have to read 20 verses. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's what they are. Here's the thing. We all need to spend time praying, but we don't have to force ourselves to spend time praying the way that everybody else prays. So if contemplation is something that you gravitate towards and that's your personality, then that's good. That's okay. And if your personality is not one that does go towards contemplation, we still have to figure out a way to nurture the, con the contemplative side of our spiritual walk. Because there is something special about spending time with God one-on-one -on -one in an intimate way. But the thought of sitting in a chair for 30 minutes and not making any noise and just staying in our own mind, for somebody like me, is going to drive me crazy. Like, I'm going to, I, I struggle with that. When I was in high school, I can remember so clearly. When I was in high school, there was this big push in our church leadership that good Christians journaled. Anybody, I don't know if you remember that in the 90s. It was like a big thing. And the good Christians, if you were a good Christian, you journaled. I finally got to, I, okay, they, they even sold Christian journaling books, right? Like, specifically, the, and it was like a, the daytimers. You guys remember daytimers? <laughs> You could, the daytimers, which are amazing. I tried so hard to use the daytimer, and I tried so hard to do the, and I did the journaling, and I, the daytimer was like a, or the, the Christian version of it was like a daytimer for Christians, and it had every day, and it had a verse to read, and it had a, a, a place to write your prayer for the day, and a place to, place to write your requests for the day, and a place to, to journal. After like three months of three times journaling I, I finally decided I guess I'll just never be a good Christian like it's just not going to happen for me sorry God I really tried right but that's the way we were made to feel because that's honestly for me that's the shadow side that's the side that I don't go towards I, I, I'm not a contemplative kind of person at least not in the way that I understood it while I'm more of an extrovert the shadow side of my spirituality still needs to get Nourish. So what I ended up learning or figuring out is I can do a super and, and have a very enjoyable contemplative time on a walk. I don't have to sit there in a chair in silence trying to clear my mind and think about God only. What I do is I can go on a walk and I can move around and as a matter of fact, sometimes I'm sure people have seen me here. I'll, I'll be walking the building and they're like, what's going on? Is Jericho, we don't want the walls to fall. But I, I'm like, I just, I just can't sit there. I, I can't. So I'm walking the building 
and I'm focusing on God and I'm just thinking and I can get to a place where I don't even know how many times I walked around the building and I don't even remember walking I'm just because I've become so focused on God and that's a way for me that I'm nourishing the shadow side of my personality with something positive spiritually right because we have to do that um there, if, if we don't nourish that shadow side, there's a potential for disintegration of our spirituality. Uh, John Wesley called this, a sh- it's funny that he called this, a shipwreck of faith. That's what John Wesley said. It's a shipwreck of faith. Because what happens is, as you focus on one thing, and you're doing one thing, and it's what you're comfortable with, and it's what you're good at, and you focus, and this is what you do, and you just do it over and over and over, then you become stagnant. And though you are participating in a Christian community, though you're participating in a spiritual practice, the result becomes a spiritual facade. Because you're only getting one side. Paul calls it in 2 Timothy, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Because we can't focus on just one thing. This is the reason for a contemplative person, it's important to be a part of a home group or a Sunday school class or a small group. Now, you may not be the one who leads it. You may not be the one who does all the talking, but you need to be there. And it's the same reason somebody like me who's not good at contemplation to figure out a way to be a part of a contemplative lifestyle. I, I told you my, uh, uh, my mentor, he, I went to visit him in Colorado. I've told you before, Pastor Bob, he lives off grid, retired pastor, is an amazing guy. I thought I was gonna die. He said, we were having a, a he's, he's honestly the closest thing to a Nazarene monk I, I've, I know. Like he's, is just his personality is the way he is. So I, he, we sat down together and he, I thought we were going to get some time and praying and talking. And I was like, what are we going to do? He said, I just want you to sit and look at that mountain for one hour <laughs> in Colorado. What? <laughs> one hour? Oh, my word. The mountain was beautiful, but I had seen all I needed to see in about five minutes, <laughs> you know? But at the same time, it was good for me. It was good for me to think about, to focus on, to, to attempt to look at what God was going to do in my life. So what's the answer to one side of spirituality is a holistic approach to our spiritual walk. Holistic means including everything. It's, it's looking at a whole thing. Some people can go to a monastery for a weekend and have a hilltop experience. Some people go to a monastery for a weekend and feel like they were put in prison because we're all built differently. And that's okay. So the question comes, how do we balance our spirituality? How do we find wholeness in Christ? We need to balance our spiritual interaction with others with individual reflection. It's just a balance that we have to find. Worshiping God exuberantly with with all of ourselves and with everybody is awesome. And then worshiping God in quiet as we listen to and respond to him alone. It's a both and approach. When we don't find this balance, we run a a risk of being dualistic in our spiritual life and we end up separating our spiritual life from the rest of our life. That's what happens. I have my spiritual life here. This is where I go to church. This is where I go to small group. This is where I 
do those things. And like John Wesley said, eventually it becomes a shipwreck of the faith. I have my life over here. And over here I go to work and I talk different and I act different and I do different. When it's a holistic approach, everything becomes about him, which is what he wants. And that's what spiritual formation leads to. So this, you're like, when are we going to get to the disciplines? That's how we get to the disciplines. It's a journey. We aren't born running. It's a process. In a journey, as every journey in life, when you're moving from one area to another, the disciplines are those things that help us move through. Walking, for instance, you guys know, first you slide, then you crawl, then you walk, then you run. Well, I say slide. That was uh, my oldest daughter. I was a little worried about her, to be honest, because she never really craw crawled. She, she started sliding, and then she started, like, one-legged crawling. If that, you know, and I was like, I don't know what's going on with her. Is she, they say you have to develop, the way you develop is based on, uh, I mean, crawling is required for development. And I was talking to Teresa, is she going to develop all the way? Like, mentally, is she going to, uh, still questionable. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love her. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's a process we go through, right? Crawling and then walking and then running. If you want to drive, and this is a whole new thing for us because at the same time she's 15, here's what I've learned. Uh, go to the DMV or DPS for us. Um, you wait, wait some more and, and go again and wait some more and take a test and wait some more. And then you wait. <laughs> and eventually you'll get a permit. And then you start the whole process again. And you wait, and you take a test, and you wait, and you wait, and you schedule an appointment for six months from now, and then you can get in. It, it's, it's that kind of thing. So, so here's the spiritual process that spiritual disciplines walk us through. And, and I wish I would have given, there's, there's four things, by the way. So we're talking about walking, or crawling, walking, running. In, in the spiritual process, um, people smarter than me have identified four things. Awakening, purgation, illumination, and union. Awakening is, is when we encounter, and I have that here. Um, awakening is when we encounter and respond to God at some point in our unlikeness. That's an awakening. We have an awakening. And then purgation, the, that thing becomes, that unlikeness is purged from us. And then illumination happens when um, a new being, because of the purge, a new being emerges and the image of Christ becomes manifest to the world. And then union, union is what we're all after. It's that experience of wholeness. So, so the disciplines then, and I'm going to give a, an introduction to the actual disciplines, and then we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about what they are and how to do them. So the disciplines, um, there's classical disciplines and uh, personal disciplines, okay? They've, they've, they've been categorized into two different ones, classical disciplines and personal disciplines. Classical disciplines are ones that the church, capital C church, big church in general has decided these are we've all agreed or most people have agreed these are disciplines that um, we recognize as essential for a deepening walk with Christ one's relationship with God is deepened by the classical disciplines these 
disciplines nurture our relationship with God. And those disciplines are things like Bible reading, worship is a discipline, um, study, and don't confuse Bible reading and study. Two different things. We should read the Bible. We should also study the Bible. Dig into it. What is it saying? Who is it saying it to? Why is it saying it? Fasting is a classical spiritual discipline. Uh, Retreat is a classical spiritual discipline. Those are all things, and there's more, that lead us to a depth in our relationship with Christ. The personal disciplines, and I love the personal disciplines, the personal disciplines are acts of loving obedience to Christ. Out of our brokenness and our bondage, we offer those things to God for healing and liberation. Whatever area of your life you're broken, whatever area of your life you're in bondage, you offer those things to God and he heals those things. And he liberates us from those things. As an example, these are things when we realize and recognize in Psalm 139, it says, and I'm gonna read it again here in a moment, but Psalm 139 says, if you keep reading, search me, O God, and know any way within me that is not pleasing to you. It's personal discipline. What is that thing? I want to give it to you. And we commit to him that the things in our life that are not pleasing to him, we're going to give to him. And we trust him to take those things. And this is why in, in the definition, the process of being conformed, we can't take them out of ourselves. We recognize what they are. We turn them to God and he takes them from us and that happens over the course of a lifetime over and over and over and we give it to him and we give it to him the whole time we're growing closer and closer to the wholeness that we're after we choose to abstain from whatever thing we were indulging in that has been destroying us it's a personal discipline It's a little tougher, to be honest. Like, it's easy to go and spend some time reading the Bible. It's a little tougher to say, God, I recognize this thing in me that you don't like. Would you please take, I give it to you. Would you take this from me? Would you cleanse my heart? And the thing I love about that, that is the the idea of being sanctified. I, I love that it's, it happens all at once. It's a thing we recognize. We say, God, I give this to you. I, I want to give myself entirely to you. And then at the same time, I recognize this is going to take a lifetime. It's not like God says, okay, boom, now you're done. He says, hey, you know what? I'm only going to walk you through what you can handle. Man, God's awesome. Seems like a, a long way around to get to the point right? Today there is a a lot of teaching involved in this, but at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves the question, how is my spiritual life? What's going on in me? I mean, honestly, in all that we're doing, isn't that what's important? Of course we want to see people saved, come to know Jesus Christ. We want to see miracles happen. We want to see that. We want to see people baptized because they turn themselves over. Like, we want to see all of those things, but unless there is spiritual depth formed in us, 
then people don't know what is coming. That they can have a part of that. It's spiritual depth in us. It's the strength of relationship in us. We want to see those things, but how are we with God? How are you? How are you doing? Are you doing practices in your life that build spiritual depth? Are you praying? Are you doing Bible study? Are you um, doing acts of contemplation? Are you spending time in silence? And whatever that looks like for you, however it goes. Silence, I, I don't mean necessarily put on the noise-canceling headphones and say, I'm talking just you and God. Do we have an intimate relationship with God? Like the psalmist that we read at the beginning. Oh God, we need you to know us and we want to know you. So we're gonna close. I'm gonna read this psalm to you again. Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. I want you to ask yourself the things that the psalmist is saying. Do we, do we have that kind of relationship with him? You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. I'm going to say one thing about that. Do we think God knows what we're going to say before we say it? Or is our relationship with him, let me say that a different way. Do we think he has determined what we're going to say before we say it? Or is our relationship with him so close? like your relationship with your best friend or your spouse. You kind of know what each other's thinking and what you're saying. You hem me in behind and before and, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths you are there if I rise on the wings of the dawn if I settle on the far side of the sea even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast today God we're looking for spiritual depth we're looking for a relationship with you like we have with our best friend one where you know us intimately, and I believe you do, but where we also know you intimately. Where we've spent time with you, where we know your will for us, where we've become one with you. We know that that is what we're after. That also is what the spiritual disciplines will help us. So I know this is kind of introduction now to the disciplines. And we'll talk about prayer and fasting and worship and all of those things starting next week. But today, God, I pray that you would create in us a desire to know you 
in that intimate of a way. I pray, God, that you would help us as we turn everything over to you. And today, somebody here might be saying, you know, I have never made the decision to give God all of myself. Well, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to them in such a way that they say, and it's, church, it's this easy. It's just like when you got saved. You asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would sanctify me. I give myself entirely to you. Would you please, Holy Spirit, show me ways within me that are not pleasing to you. Somebody today maybe makes a decision to give themselves entirely to you, to become filled with your spirit and begin living a life of intimate spiritual formation. Spiritual intimacy. So God be with us today. Thank you who you are in us. I mean, who we are in you and for what you've done for us. Holy Spirit, just for a moment, I'm going to ask, let's just hold this for a minute. Um, Bruno is going to lead this next song. Just gonna, if, you have, if you're there and you say, you know, I just want to pray. I just, Holy Spirit, I just want you to do a work in me. You sit in your chair, obviously. There's also altars up at the front. If you want to come and kneel for a few moments while we've seen this last song, I invite you to do that. But don't